News Talk 1110-993-WBT, hour number two. Friday the 13th landed on a Monday this month. Yeah, Monday the 13th seems way more, I don't know, bad luck-ish, right, than a Friday the 13th. Anyway, uh, the phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. I do find it interesting that the phone number here, aside from the 704 area code, but the 570 and the 1110 are both the signal, the AM signals that I, I, I have worked for. <laughs> I I just noticed that. 704-570-1110. And uh, 1-800-WBT-1110. Also, Pete at com. So, the, uh, I, look, I don't, okay, the congressional hearing, this uh, special committee, the January 6th congressional committee, um, technically, yes, it's a hearing, I guess, right? They're having people brought in. They've got subpoenas that they've sent out and most of those, as I understand it, were because they, uh, the, the witnesses wanted there to be a subpoena. Um, you know, if you want me to come testify, fine, but you're going to have to subpoena me to do so. But it looks to me, and I've watched enough of it now, it's, it's very clear, and I noticed this immediately, they're reading from teleprompters. They've got clips lined up. It's a scripted performance, unlike a lot of other congressional hearings that we're more used to seeing where... Uh, you know, you get members of Congress that just like, you know, it's a more adversarial relationship. Now, I understand the argument that this is not a trial and it's not. It's not a trial. So you eliminate the adversarial nature of a trial proceeding. And what you get in its stead is a performance. So it's not really this is this is why I, I, I kind of I balk at calling it a hearing because it. It's kind of not. It's just a very scripted kind of performance. It's a proceeding. It's a presentation, right? It's a presentation. It's it's all just opening statement. There's there there, there are going to be no uh, bombshell surprises that catch the committee off guard. Every, everybody that's coming to speak is all of the same mind, right? They're all making the same argument. This is more like a this is more like a prosecution's presentation to a grand jury to get an indictment. That's what this more likely, uh, in my view, resembles. Because the defense is not in there. Nobody is countering anything being said, and that's why the old adage exists that you can indict a ham sandwich. Because there isn't anybody else making a case on behalf of the ham sandwich. But then again, honestly, it's a ham sandwich. Does it really need anybody to make its defense for it? I mean, my gosh, it's ham. Everybody loves a ham sandwich. But it obviously did something wrong. So the committee announced that Trump's campaign manager, Bill Stepien, is among the witnesses uh, scheduled to uh, testify. This was the AP story on the matter. Uh, And this was written, obviously, before today's testimony. And I watched a lot of his testimony today. Um. And he talks about Stepien, uh, by the way, uh, I thought it was interesting. He said he had, you know, he's worked a lot of different campaigns across the full uh, ideological spectrum, he said, uh, among Republican candidates. And then he rattled off the candidates that he had worked for. George W. Bush, John McCain, Mitt Romney, (laughs) which, 
I'm not so sure that's across a political spectrum, you know. But um, I, I get he's I get his point, which was he has experience. And they brought him in. He said he had like I, I forget what the number was. I think it was like 118 or 120 days, 150 days, whatever, before the election. And the campaign had a lot of problems. And so they brought him in. And he was just basically trying to fix the things. This is what he said, trying to fix the things that he could fix in the short amount of time he had left to try to turn the thing around. Okay. And he started to set. And after the uh, election results came in, he said he talked to the president and he pegged the um, the chances of overturning the results due to uh, findings of fraud. He found the chances very bleak, very, very bleak. He talked about how uh, the second week or so they uh, that Trump ditched the legal team because the legal team kept telling Trump, you don't have a path forward here. And uh, that's when they brought in Rudy Giuliani. And there were these two sort of competing camps, uh, which Stepien referred to as uh, he was proud to be on Team Normal, is what he called it. And that's what reporters were calling it. Team normal. He then left, he said, because um, it was the, the way that they were behaving, uh, not team normal, but the other side in the White House, the administration, he said it wasn't honest or professional. That's why he left. This was the campaign manager. Does that matter to you or is he was he is he in the tank? Which if he's in the tank, why was he working on Trump's campaign? Or did he trick Donald Trump into getting that gig? Bill Barr talked about an interaction he had with uh, the former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, uh, after a meeting where Barr had told him, told Trump uh, and Meadows, uh, hey, you know, this is this is craziness. This isn't true. You didn't win. And he's, you know, going through all of the uh, the arguments against Trump pursuing the uh, pursuing the narrative that it was all rigged and it was stolen and all of that. And Barr's laying, you know, making all these counter arguments and then he leaves and Meadows uh, or, or Barr then sees Jared Kushner in the hallway. They start talking and Jared says, uh, we're we're working to get the president there. And there was to accepting that he had lost. That Kushner told Barr, we're working to get him there. And Meadows then comes down the hall and catches up to Barr as he's with Jared Kushner and Meadows says that Trump is becoming more realistic about the chances of overturning the election. So all of this kind of, so this is the performance. This is what the, the script is written and it is a script. And I don't mean that as a pejorative. I'm not trying to denigrate. I'm saying they, they have it all scripted. They're uh, the, the committee here. They've scripted out. They got their sound bites playing. It's a, it's a produced package. It sounds like uh, almost a documentary, uh, just without any of the music or, you know, compelling narrators. Um, but it, it, it's written and it's got, you know, video clips and they're they're dropping in the clips and all this selectively edited, by the way. So it's a presentation, not a hearing where I would get to see the interaction. I would get to see the uh, the full video of or the uh, the Zoom call or the in-person interrogation. The questioning of all these people. We don't get to see that. All we're seeing is snippets. And far be it for me to suggest that this committee might have just a wee bit of an agenda. 
just a little bit of bias, maybe might it might work its way into the presentation. Here is a uh, message to Pete at the PeteCalendarShow.com. Pete, I love how you explain the left and their actions. Pivot, defend or disavow, stray voltage, deflection, using morals, religion, and science when it only fits their narrative. Listening to that Friday interview, or listening to that Friday interview with Scott Huffman was like listening to a Democrat's greatest hits tape. Here's an idea. Send out a bingo card before the next interview so we can all play along. Uh, Thanks for keeping the podcast going, Jason. Appreciate it, Jason. Uh, Let me see here. This is uh, another email on the January 6th committee. I remember May of 2020 when Trump was taken to the bunker and more than 100 Secret Service agents were injured. The pundits and news talking heads thought it was all funny. Oh, yeah. And they were outraged that he walked across the street and held up that Bible. How dare he? I don't care about January 6th. I'm tired of the media telling me I ought to. Um, yeah, this is this is the inconsistent application of standards, whether it's a bit. And this was the fight about violent rhetoric. You know, who's to blame if you're going to start tagging people as responsible for violence based on their political speech? That is not an overt and direct call for violence then you're going to have to apply that consistently. Look, I said this at the time. I was, I was shocked and saddened and embarrassed by what happened in January 6th. But I also recognize it as part of a larger context. It was against a backdrop where we had seen cities burn and no one cared. Peace, mostly peaceful, but fiery. There were 97% peaceful protests all around America. Yeah, well, it's the 3% that caused billions of dollars in damages, and you guys thought it was all okay. It was fine. No, you know, they're just, this is just the language of, of the oppressed. Really? Language of the oppressed was breaking into the CVS and stealing all of the, the drugs and baby formula. That's, or, 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 or raiding the Walmart for the flat screen TVs. That's, really? That was it? That's what I was watching. It's an inconsistent application of standards. When Democrats protested the electoral count, the electoral college counts, the slates and such, in what, 2001 they did it, in 2004 I believe, and in 2017 they did it. Democrats have been doing this for years. I am on board with a change to the law to clean up that law, which reads, I mean, it's just it reads like word salad. It's terrible. You can't. You can't make heads or tails of the thing. So I'm not exactly sure what the whole point was and and how it's applied and all of that. But almost not almost every one of the last three Republicans. Re-election or elections for president have been challenged by Democrats in the House under the exact same thing that Republicans used in 2020. It's performative. It's theater. They knew that it wasn't going to work. I said this at the time, and Democrats had been playing the game, too. But now that Republicans adopt your standard, now it's, oh, no, now, whoa, this is, this is bad. This is an insurrection. 
I said at the time also, you don't get to beat down the doors of the Capitol or any other building for that matter. You don't get to kick in the doors, vandalize the property. You, you don't get to do that. Sorry. That's a consistent application of the standard. I said the same thing about people's businesses. I said the same thing about police departments. I said the same thing about courthouses in Seattle. I've said the same thing every time, which is if you want to behave like a thug, then you should face the ramifications and the charges that come with that. Does that mean that everybody that went to uh, the Stop the Steal rally at the ellipse, whatever, prior to the Capitol storming, that everybody who went to that rally is guilty? No, of course not. Of course not. So this is the whole point that the committee is trying to make, is that Donald Trump said the election was rigged. That provided the motivation for the Capitol riot by what is apparently was led by the video that they show, which is, that was a new video that I saw of the uh, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, and they're walking through, and you can tell they have a plan, and that's that's come out that they had plans. By the way, they had plans prior to the event. They started their attack on the Capitol before Donald Trump ever said anything at the rally. So if you're trying to make this direct connection that Trump said, "Go down there, kick in the doors," you know, and, and do this. You're undermined by the very fact that you presented a timeline that that doesn't corroborate that. They, th- these organizations were already down the road to do that, and they should face the punishment for that. Absolutely. Again, you, you don't get to storm the Capitol. Here's the other thing. The gallows. Oh, my God. If I see this freaking picture one more time, do you know how small that thing was? They That is a photographic trick, and this is why I'm suspicious of all of the stuff that they're presenting in this committee and the media reports, because I I saw how big that thing actually was. It wasn't a huge gallows. That picture was taken right up close to, it was like a little miniature thing. It's a prop. It was a prop. Now, that being said, if they had run into Mike Pence or the crowd had run into Nancy Pelosi, what do you think they would have done? Do you think they just would have chanted at her? Do you think they just would have surrounded Mike Pence and been like, hang Mike Pence, all right, just give him some space, everybody? No, I don't think so. I think that there was real, there was a likelihood for real violence against individuals. Absolutely. That's what happens when you whip up a mob, though. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Got a tweet here at Pete Callender. Pete, there was more security in D.C. on our senior trip in 1990 than there was on January 6th. You don't get into those places that they got into unless you're allowed to. The big PR trap that about 600 folks fell for. McConnell probably welcomed it. Look, I don't know. This is, again, I, that would assume motive here. I don't know what people's motives were. I do. I have seen the videos of Capitol Police allowing people to enter, but I've also seen the video of people violently attacking Capitol Police. See, here's the thing, and maybe this is why I frustrate so many people. I bristle at false choices. 
I, I, I hate them. You're trying to direct me to agree with you by offering up to, not that this uh, Twitter uh, user did this, but you're trying to, people try to direct you into agreeing with them by offering some other explanation, some, some alternate choice that is awful. I don't have to pick one or the other here. I don't have to pick. I can choose both. I can say, yeah, you know what? I saw a whole bunch of people beating up on cops. And that's wrong. And they were breaking into the building. That's wrong. That doesn't mean that other people weren't let in. There were other people that, that you know, they're in the back of the pack and they're like, oh, we're going in. Okay, yay us. We're swept up by the mob. See, that's the thing about mobs. That's why you don't like mobs governing you. Um, I've been consistent about that too. When you whip up a mob, you don't know which way it's going to go. You don't know who's... Uh, uh, who it's going to target, how they're going to get targeted. That's what they do. Mobs behave like mobs. Um, I thought I made the point earlier. Somebody called in and was mad that I said, well, there were a lot of people that, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands, I don't know, that were at, that they're peacefully marching at the original rally. And that's exactly right. I, I mentioned that. I was not there. I think this person was mad because I was saying these things. And how does Pete know? Because I wasn't there. I wasn't there, but I've talked to people who were. I've talked to a lot of people who were. I talked to Nick Cersei, who made a whole documentary about it. I think I did it on this show, actually. So, no, I, I got a pretty good read on what went down. It's not one or the other. It's one and the other. Right? There were a lot of people there. Oh, here's the other one. Uh, was it all um, false flag? No, it wasn't all a false flag. Does that mean that there weren't Antifa people there? I don't know. I've seen some video that's pretty convincing that there were some people who were Antifa that were there helping to stoke the mob. Right. By the way, this is the exact same thing that Antifa said about the Proud Boys. They used to they would say this whenever they would have their uh, and the Oath Keepers, whatever, whenever they would go to I guess it was mainly the Proud Boys, not Oath Keepers, but uh, out west in Seattle and Portland. Right. When they were getting into all these street brawls. Or when the Black Lives Matter protests that begin at sundown and then, oh, my gosh, I can't believe a riot broke out when it got dark. Um, And we're all wearing masks, you know, for COVID, for safety reasons. We're all masked up. And we're all wearing the same clothing. And then when that one guy wearing a mask, wearing the same clothing, did something bad, what did Antifa say? That wasn't us. That was Proud Boys. False flag. They would dress up like us. Black Lives Matter people did it, too. Outside agitators, they're the reason why this thing went violent. Mm-hmm. Look, there very well might have been some people that were outside agitators at every single one of these events. It's Sure, I'll agree to that. But I also agree that there were people that were not, that were there, and that's probably the majority of them. But, well, okay, yes. Unless you're talking about that Patriot Front group, they look like feds, right? They really do look like, they really do look like federal agents. Oh, did you see that? They got like 30-something of them got arrested out of a U-Haul. What is it with them in the U-Haul? Is that like a sponsorship? Maybe they got an endorsement. Yeah, like in uh, Iowa. Is that some pride parade and the some police, they got a call. They're like, hey, we see a bunch of these guys. They're all loading up in a U-Haul with the, with the, uh, the shields and the shin guards and such. And uh, so they called the cops and the cops went and arrested them all. And what I found the most interesting was that all of the guys are 
uh, you know, they're they're they got them on their knees, hands cuffed or zip tied behind their backs, uh, and they're all wearing the you know the navy blue uh, polo shirts and the the khaki pants, and they got hats on, but they also have these cloths covering their faces. Not an N95 mask. No, it wasn't. No, they got these cloths covering their faces. And that's what the that's what the media put out there, and that's what the law enforcement. Uh, do we have their names yet? I haven't seen all the names reported. But why would you not have taken the cloths off their faces? They're, those aren't. You're outside. Those aren't you know protective masks for COVID purposes. They're to mask identity, because there are a lot of people on the right that have some questions about that organization. They have some questions about. Federal agents that were on the ground on January 5th and 6th. There's a fellow by the name of Ray Epps, for example. There are, see, again, I don't have to choose that one is automatically wrong and one is automatically right. I can entertain all of these ideas at the same time. We can all do that. I got an email here from uh, Eileen. Pete, regardless of the motivation for this investigation, how can you listen to the testimony of so many people and still support President Trump? Just asking because I am at a loss to understand. Did I have I expressed any support for Donald Trump at any point in the coverage of the hearing here? That was not my intent. I don't think I did. Um, I didn't vote for Donald Trump either time. I did not vote for Biden or Hillary. Last time I left it blank. I was so disgusted with all of my choices. <laughs> I did not want to. I almost now I almost voted for Trump the first time because of the judges. And I was really relying on the Federalist Society there. But then, of course, you know, he gives gives us Kavanaugh went off off the list, which is exactly what I thought he would do. Not that he would pick Kavanaugh, but I didn't think there was anything binding him to it. But people tried to convince me during the primary and then during the general you know, he's going to turn over the judges to um, uh, to the Federalist Society. They got a list, and here's what he's promised and all that. And I was like, ah, that's close. I might, I might be persuaded there, but I just can't trust him. See, because I'm from New York. I grew up watching Donald Trump on TV, and I watched Celebrity Apprentice, and I kind of kind of got a feel for who he is, and I wasn't a big fan. Sorry. Um, and then he won. Surprised me. Surprised everybody. Praise him when he does well, and I criticized him when he did bad stuff. But uh, no, I don't recall. I don't recall offering any of my support for President Trump on any of this. I've said from the very beginning: Did election fraud occur? Yeah, because it occurs in every election. Absolutely, I have no doubt that election fraud occurred. Did it occur to the extent necessary to flip states? I'm open to being persuaded. Show me the evidence. And that's kind of where it's that's kind of where it is. It's where it's been. And uh, if you think Sidney Powell and General Mike Flynn and, you know, Rudy Giuliani, if you think they helped. I disagree. I don't think they helped sell that uh, that argument. They did not prove their assertions. That's my take. You don't have to agree with me either. We can still be friends.
Lowry at National Review. He was writing this after Thursday night's day one installment of the January 6th Capitol riot congressional presentation, committee presentation. He said Thursday night's hearing has been deemed stunning by all the people you'd expect to deem it stunning. The video that was the centerpiece of that night was indeed shocking just because the events of that day were so shocking. But it did not add anything new, even if most of the footage had not been seen before. Right. We knew that these things had occurred. I re- like I saw a new video. Yes, I hadn't seen before. Like, oh, OK, so now you're making these connections with Proud Boys, like the organization. OK, you could see them walking through the crowd. I also am curious why they've edited certain people out of various videos. But Lowry says, I thought the most useful portion of the presentation was the testimony from Trump insiders saying how the data pointed to how he was going to lose the election beforehand. And there was no evidence of fraud afterwards. Not that anybody is getting convinced one way or the other about that at this point. If this was the high point of the committee's public work, it is not surprisingly not going to have much of an impact and certainly is not going to change the trajectory of the midterm elections as Democrats are hoping. Donald Trump then came out and on his uh, Truth Social uh, platform, he said, the unselect committee, it's not a select committee, yet it's the unselect, the unselect committee didn't spend one minute studying the reason that people went to Washington, D.C. in massive numbers, far greater than the fake news media is willing to report, or that the unselects are willing to even mention, because January 6th was not simply a protest, it represented the greatest movement in the history of our country to make America great again. It was about an election that was rigged and stolen in a country that was about to go to hell and look at our country now. And again, I'm forced to try to make sense of the statement of Donald Trump. This was, has been one of my criticisms of him ever since he came down the escalator, which was I have a very difficult time understanding what he is saying because I labor under, I guess, an illusion of what words mean. And so when I apply those definitions to the words he uses, I am often left confused. And I, I've been told, uh, no, Pete, you're you're taking him literally, but not seriously. You need to take him seriously, but not literally. And I almost get the sense um, a lot of times, and not all the time, right? I mean, sometimes he's very clear and concise in what he says, and I have no problem with that. But sometimes... When he goes off on the flights of ideas, and as one who does that myself, I can recognize that behavior, right? So he he bounces, boom, 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 mid-sentence, although I think he kind of bounces way more than I do because I am obviously a trained professional here. But the, <laughs> but the, uh, uh, the flights of ideas that he bounces around is very difficult for me to follow, and when he says this sort of stuff, I'm unclear as to what exactly... What, what's the message he's trying to convey to me? They didn't spend one minute studying the reason that people went to D.C. Well, no, of course not. They're not studying the reason that everybody went there for the rally. They're, they already have their assumptions built in, right? It's already baked in the cake. They're saying that Donald Trump inspired everybody to show up in order to stop the steal. That was the point. He motivated them. 
whip them into a frenzy. They then attack the Capitol. Ergo, Trump is responsible. And by the way, this is not a new argument from them. This has been literally their argument since it happened. They've been saying this. I'm unclear also how this committee intends this to uh, prompt the, the DOJ to start filing criminal charges. The DOJ already looked at this stuff. They did, they've not prosecuted. They, uh, they're prosecuting the people, obviously, right? They're going after everybody that was there. And, and also here, by the way, I can condemn the people that got into the Capitol and, and you know, vandalized it and were threatening people and whatever. I, I, I can condemn all of the people that did that, that acted poorly and illegally. I can condemn them. And I can also say that some of the people that have been arrested and are being held are not being treated fairly. And if they were of any other political philosophy, we would have the, quote, reformers, the social justice activists would be protesting out in front of the prisons where these folks are being held. People are be- people are having lives ruined over this because they went to the Capitol and did not engage in insurrection. In some cases, they simply followed the crowd of where they were walking into the building. And, oh, hey, wave and said hello to the Capitol Police officer holding the door open for them. I've seen the video. Don't tell me it didn't happen. Unless you want me to question all the video of that day. See, this is the consistent application of a standard. So I'm saying, yes, those people who are being held in some pretty terrible conditions, they probably should, you know, get some coverage for those conditions. Maybe some people who advocate for prison reform or advocate for people who have been arrested and they want to see criminal justice reform enacted. Maybe you could, I don't know, help some of them folks out. Lawyers, legal aid, ACLU. Well, no, ACLU is just a shell of what it was nowadays. Um, So I don't, I'm not really clear on what Trump is trying to convey in this thing. He says it was about an election that was rigged and stolen. So he's still, he's still repeating this. They fundraised off of it as well. That's what the committee is talking about, too. So they're trying to draw this connection that uh, that essentially it was a grift, which, well, there's a brand new argument I'm sure you've never heard before about Donald Trump, right? And th- they've been saying this from the very beginning. Since he came down the escalator, they've been accusing him of being only in it for the grift and how he doesn't care about anybody and he's just in it for himself and to make all of the money. So this is not a new uh, attack either. Well, it wasn't the January 6th committee, Pete, isn't really they're not in it to be, you know, promoting uh, new information. There's, they're, they're, remember, I, before it happened, I said, don't expect bombshells because they were already tempering expectations. For whom? Not me. Probably not you. Right. Who are they trying to tell? Hey, 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 let's not get, you know. Our hopes up that we're going to get a bunch of stuff out of this. There's going to be a lot of new information and bombshells. Who were they telling that to? Their base. And that's the point of the presentation. I can I can disagree with the Capitol or the Capitol riot. I can I can condemn that. And I can also see the political motivations of the committee, too.